You're listening to Vet Candy. This is Dr. Jessica Turner, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica. You're one stop for all things wellness, not just what to eat or how to move, but everything in between. And I just want to kick off today by saying this episode has been in the works for a really long time. And I think that it's going to be one that's going to stand out because we're going to be tackling an aspect of wellness that I think is so important, but so often overlooked. And that's going to be digging into relationships, specifically those at home that we know are so important to our lives and our well-being, but they're often the first to be neglected. And so I'm so excited to have our guest on today. We have Ellie Fuentes. She is the founder and clinical director of Clinical Insights, a boutique private practice located in Basking Ridge, New Jersey, specializing in adolescent and adult mental wellness. She holds multiple professional licenses in the state of New Jersey as a licensed professional counselor and a licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor. Ellie focuses on providing care that delivers gold standard evaluations and treatment plans as part of a time-tested philosophy of care. She has experience working in both juvenile justice and clinical settings, which have given her the ability to treat adolescents and adults with a wide range of clinical issues. She works collaboratively with families, schools, and other people in individuals' environment to understand the whole person and to promote real and lasting change. Through all of her experience, she has learned the importance of tailoring interventions to the unique strengths of her clients. Ellie, I'm so excited to have you on today. Like I mentioned, it's been well well in the works. I know it's going to be so worth the wait, but I would love to just kind of give you the stage and just share a little bit more about you and, and how you've kind of ended up doing the work that you're doing today. Thanks. I'm super happy to be here because it, it has really been a work in progress with just different things coming up and just life impacting us in all those different ways. So I'm happy we we're able to finally get everything together. But like you said, you know, I, I run a private practice in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. And we specialize in working with adolescents and working with adults through all different areas of life. I would say what we generally target the most is just your general day-to-day struggles, your perfectionism, your relationship issues, struggling with friends. Specifically, we've been doing a lot of work with our adolescent population, but with that adolescent population comes the parents of adolescents. And so taking in that parent and that spouse component and really working on the family model to keep the house working well and everyone being able to be successful in what they're doing throughout the day. Yeah. And I want to already tell our listeners, of course, if Ellie wants to be back on after today, but when we were brainstorming for this and she started talking about her work specifically with perfectionism, I instantly was, that is such an issue within our profession. And I'm already seeing some of those same tendencies in one of my daughters who's about to turn eight. And so I'm like, all right, we're definitely having her back on and we're going to touch on some of those issues because I I know that is part of the struggle that we see within our field because so many of us are wired that way. And so I think it would just be so fun and interesting to have you back on to kind of tackle that beast. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. We, we see like perfectionism comes out in all aspects of life. Like find myself really frequently saying to people right now we have social media. That's huge. And I say to them, you ever have like your camera turn on on your phone where it's you're trying to take a picture of something in front of you, but the camera turns on and it faces you and you have like eight chins. We've all had that moment, but like nobody posts that photo. Nobody talks about that photo very often. We do the bring out the photo that's cropped and edited and everything. And we do that with relationships as well. We don't talk about what's going on at home, the struggles and that marriage and relationships and just life in general is hard. It can be really difficult. It's so true. And being stuck in that place of really believing that everyone else has it figured out and everything else has life on cruise control is truly a big part of why I struggled so much after having my girls when I was dealing with postpartum depression, because I had this picture of what motherhood was supposed to look like because of what shared. I I will say now that that was almost eight years ago, that there's been a lot of change with women speaking up and being more vulnerable. But I think that when it comes to our relationship, specifically marriage, there's really big gap in what is really happening and what's portrayed on social media or even just out and about in town and what's really going on at home. And I, I could completely understand why people would not want all of their business to be out, but I think it makes for a space where people that maybe are navigating some of these issues that we're about to dig into, they could feel really alone. And they're the only ones that are trying to navigate these things and everybody else just hasn't figured out, which is, we know is far from the truth. <laughs> Right. Normal, being able to normalize what's going on. Yeah. So whenever we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about, I just instantly kept going towards relationships at home with our significant others, because I know with our profession specifically, there's so much that we, we face at work that we tend to carry around with us. And there's things that we really can't avoid that or stressors that we know contribute to some of the issues we're seeing within our profession. But it's when we factor in normal life things and responsibilities of maintaining healthy relationships and things that are going on at home that is often kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back. When you take these two separate worlds, it seems like you're working your home life and then you add in all the stressors that could come with each a lot of times that's where people kind of reach their breaking point. I think a lot of times it's because we're so focused on our our profession and our career that we don't see a lot of the warning signs that come with the things that we're dealing with at home. I would love to just get your insight on what you've noticed with your clients. And when you have a job that can be so stressful and you're trying to balance that with your relationships at home, do you have any advice on how to go about, I don't know, doing that in a healthy manner, managing what we we deal with on a day-to-day at work, and then being able to go home and have a, a rich and fulfilling relationship with those that we love at home? Absolutely. When we're younger, you know, elementary school age, we start thinking about, you know, what do we want to be when we grow up? And this whole theme of our career and who we are and attaching ourselves to that idea starts forming when we're really young. You would think, and we would hope that like our career life and our relationships, they, that they develop separately. But as we get older and as we mature into that actual career and that actual romantic life, they're quite connected, especially we look at the quality of our love life can affect our work life. And more often than not, that's how our work tends to seep into our relationships. 
we talk about bringing it home. It makes sense. It's not too surprising given that most of us spend more time at work than we do awake with our spouse or our family at home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back when we first got out of school. So my husband, and I graduated at the same time and he graduated from pharmacy school and we both moved back home, bought a house, but he was working shift work at the hospital and I was working share and call at the local clinic. And I mean, we hardly ever saw each other. That was coming off of being long distance for five years. And so I think part of it was we were used to it, but at the same time, it's almost impossible to not allow your work to become number one whenever you're dealing with these grueling schedules sometimes. Do you have advice for for our listeners that may be in that kind of a season where your time together is so short and you really want to make the best of it, but you struggle with being able to leave work at work and truly being present with your significant other or if you have kids factoring that in? Do you have any advice? Yeah, absolutely. We talk about a lot in different sessions is learning how to detach from work. And it's becoming more difficult as our culture is continuing to kind of stay in this method of like always on. That's really leaving our boundaries between our professional and personal life to become quite blurry at times. And it's leading to just counteractive anxiety in regards to checking emails, making sure tasks are complete. So when we talk about detaching from work, we like to go with the general, like I'd say, like the easy method methods, being able to have a nice drive home, taking care of leaving work at work. And a lot of it has to do with mindset. Mindset really is everything. My husband had a period in the winter time where he was getting really stressed out at work. And the both of us being stressed together is just a recipe for a stressful household, which I know we all are so fortunate to experience at one time or another, but having the perspective that if the emails don't all get answered, being that we aren't, as long as you're not like a heart surgeon or saving lives, like reminding each other that the emails will be there tomorrow. Nothing's going to really change if you answer the email at 8 p.m. versus 8 a.m. the next day. Kind of really bringing ourselves centered and reframing that mindset. We get a lot of pressure on ourselves at work through bosses, clients, and whatnot. But we need to refocus ourselves and kind of bring us back into a more sturdier sense of reality on what am I doing? And that a miracle probably won't happen overnight, you know, and then giving ourselves permission to leave this where it is and leave it at work, you know, and that goes into making sure that our technology, like I say, it's a great idea if you can freeze your work email app on the weekends. For some people, that's not an option. If you're on call, it's definitely not an option. But if you can, it can really do wonders to just your ability to cope with your own anxiety and then be present, being present with your partner, being present with your your family that you're living with. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. fur babies so much. But when they're stressed out, it makes me stressed out. Mine hate loud noises like thunderstorms and fireworks, and sometimes they just don't want to be left home alone. To help keep your dogs calm in moments of stress, use Brave Paws Anxiety and Stress Support Chewables for dogs. These plant-based chewables promote calm behavior with natural ingredients that have been clinically studied. Did I mention they're fast-acting and non-drowsy? I especially love that the natural ingredients are sustainably sourced. How cool is that? Want to learn more? 
check out mybravepaws.com. Your dog will be happy you did. I've been more intentional with just being off of social media over the weekend and just doing the bare minimum. It's just made a huge difference. And I hear that often where people have gotten off completely for whatever reason. And they, they notice it's a noticeable shift that happens pretty quickly when they allow their brain to detach from the constant stimulation that we get from whether it's emails or social media it almost takes something to happening. I'm talking from personal experience. I'm thinking of when I got pneumonia two, two years ago and I literally did nothing for 10 days. I felt so bad. I had to go to the ER in the middle of it. And I remember laying like on the couch thinking, you know what? The world is still spinning. (laughs) You know, like I haven't done anything. Like our girls were staying with family half of the time and everything was fine. (laughs) And I think that was kind of like a wake up call. And and that was when I wasn't in practice anymore. It was just doing work I do that is very primarily online, but it it was a very needed wake up call that it's okay if I have to step away for whatever reasons, whether it's for the weekend or the evening or a stint if I'm focusing on my own wellness. And I think sometimes it takes an actual event like that for us to be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. And not to say like we're not as important as we thought we were, but that's essentially what it is. (laughs) It's a pride thing sometimes and the need to like control everything. You know, I think a lot of us are so, again, back to that perfectionism aspect of things. We want to be the ones doing everything. And so we feel we can't allow ourselves to turn things off because then maybe somebody else will end up doing it or whatever it may be. Do you have any advice? I know this is kind of like stepping into a different relationship, but as we're talking about the importance of unplugging when you get home, because I do think that's such a a vital strain within marriages these days. See all these memes and stuff of people next to each other in bed, like glued to their phone. But do you have any advice if someone's listening and they're like, I would love to be able to detach more, but I have a boss or whatever it may be that has unrealistic requirements whenever I leave the clinic. And I'm not talking just on call. Someone that does not have clear boundaries themselves that you're working for. Do you have any advice how to maybe have a conversation with that person to be able to protect your space at home? Absolutely. I think setting expectations in all aspects of life is completely 100% necessary. Having that conversation while it is probably incredibly intimidating, you don't want to do it, you're nervous about what's going to happen and the unknown is kind of looming over you. It's kind of like taking a look at like that saying about the oxygen mask on the airplane. You want to put it on yourself so that you can help someone else. Or and if you don't put it on yourself first and you go to help someone right away, you might run out of oxygen and you'll be unable to help. And the same thing goes for work. If we're not having the ability to kind of decompress and rejuvenate ourselves for the following week, our quality of work, our engagement within like the work community and just our general satisfaction with the company and the job itself is going to be diminished. We're human and we get tired. So being able to talk about those expectations about what your boundaries are, how much you personally can focus on work during non-work hours and where is those hard stops is a conversation that has to be had. There's going to be some times in life where there's a boss who 
is expecting much more than you're really, you're really capable of giving, not even willingness, but capable. That's when like, we have to find the right job and the right company and the right employer for us. Eventually what happens is we just get completely burned out and then we can't even transition to a new role because we're just exhausted. I've been there. (laughs) Uh, I ended up having to leave and I I didn't even have a backup, but the little bit of of gap where I wasn't working was so necessary for me to even get to a place where I was wanting or able to work again. But a lot of it was just these unrealistic expectations when it wasn't working hours. It could be really difficult when someone's been used to things being a certain way and they don't have the same stance as you do on protecting those those boundaries. And so I love that you mentioned that. Absolutely have the conversation. I mean, I feel like it's such a no-brainer if you explain, look, if I'm on 24-7, I can't even do the, the job that I want to do when I'm here first thing in the morning because I haven't even had a second turn work off. It just seems common sense, you know, and being able to explain that, hopefully you'll be met with understanding and willingness to kind of work together. When you were going through this, it made me want to bring up something that you briefly talked about in in our emails that I thought was really interesting. And I was like, I definitely want to touch on that. You mentioned the effect of work stress or unaddressed work stress on our nervous system and what that can do and how that can translate into our home life. Do you mind kind of touching on that? Yeah. So when workplace stress is carried on, how it it's essentially processed as continued activation in our nervous system. So you could think of it as basically being heightened or right after we get out of something, like if you get startled, the feeling where you can feel your blood kind of go a little bit faster, your heart's going a little bit faster, that kind of activation is what's happening in your nervous system. And when it goes on for too long, just like doing anything for too long, eventually what happens is a crash. And that happens generally in the form of complete and utter overstimulation of the nervous system. So being unable to regulate yourself, being able to make those clear decisions during times of peak stress, we lose that ability. And if if you've ever seen anybody have one of those days where they're kind of just breaking down at work, the tears are flowing over something that seems insignificant. Yes. And you're you're looking at them and you're like, what is, you know, what is going on? Or you come home from work and your spouse or your partner says something and you have just a gut reaction. That's most likely pretty uncalled for. That's our body's way of telling us that we have to slow down. We have to kind of get our brains to kind of check in with ourselves, re-regulate ourselves because when we are too over and over activated, what happens is we tend to lose sight of everything around us. Like have you ever driven to work and you get there and you're like, wow, how did I drive here today? We go on autopilot. Our bodies and our minds can only be activated for so long till we check into autopilot and we like basically stop being present in our day-to-day lives. And that's when you see work errors, arguments over small things at home. And those things just continue to add up, continue to add up until eventually that bubble bursts. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, I mean, I know that's in that same breath and explaining all of that is also why we see so much like adrenal fatigue nowadays and within not just our profession, but similar professions. But I wonder if what you just described comes before bodies physically start crashing with the uh, adrenal aspect of things, or 
I'm just kind of talking out loud, but you know, I'm wondering if that's like our signals, these seemingly insignificant episodes where we, we blow up before our bodies truly start falling apart everywhere (laughs) and and the lack of a better way of explaining it. Because I think so many people are finding themselves in that situation where they're physically ill because of not purposely ignoring it. I think some probably are, but just being unaware that all of these things are like warning signs. And so I I love that you mentioned that stuff like that's really interesting to me because we we have no idea the depth of what is going on behind the biology aspect of things and all the things that make us work. <laughs> we just kind of brush it off and, and think, well, things are going to get better sooner or later and I'll just keep powering through. But we really don't understand the damage that's going on at like a molecular level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was in the process of starting my practice, I was still working a, a 40 hour job plus being on call 24 seven. And so in my head, initially, it was great. I was hustling. I was doing what I needed to do. I, I had a goal at the end of the line. While those, all those things are, are fantastic to have and to hold on to, you can only go for so long. You know? And it wasn't until really small, easy problems at work would pop up at my full-time job, and I would just be at a loss on how to fix that problem until like my supervisor was, what, what's going on with you? This is not you. And they knew that I was working on at the same time, once my, my day job was done, I was working on making those next steps to advance my own private practice. And they kind of just helped me make that really hard decision of, you know what, you're right. It's time for me to finally kind of take that step and make that separation and go out on my own. Cause I was doing both at the same time. And eventually I think I was just so tired. I became unhappy in both roles, which was the opposite of what I was trying to do. It's true. Sometimes you just got to make that tough call when you get to that place. Like I mentioned, I, I, I knew I had family that knew I, I needed to step away from the situation I was in. It seems like we're always the last to kind of get to that realization and and have that courage to take the step. But more often than not, it's like, oh, man, why didn't I do this sooner? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back digging into some of the things we've been touching on, but some, some new topics as well. We'll be right back with more vet candy. Hey hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back. You are listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica. And we are hanging out with Ellie today. She is a licensed professional counselor. And we are just digging into relationships that matter the most, but often get overlooked, unfortunately. I just wanted to kind of continue digging a little bit into what we've been discussing regarding the balance of work and the stress that comes with it and trying to transition to our home life and not kind of carrying baggage (laughs) home with us. And I would love to hear if you have any practical tips that our listeners can take and run with and start incorporating today if that's something they struggle with. Yeah, I think it's important to also like check in with ourselves and kind of see if we can gain a little bit of insight on where our work stress is coming from. We struggle with coworkers and supervisors and just the stress of completing tasks 
And each of those can be dealt with in a slightly different way. If you're prone to stressing out about unsolved problems when you get home from work, taking it a step further and being preventative in terms of making lists to process through possible solutions to any of the issues that you think may actually be on your case and follow you home. Then you can remind yourself that you thought about this as much as you can when you were at work. And now you need to take it off your mind, take it off your mind and be present at home. That's something that, and not in the same exact context, but very similar. So many people and myself struggle with turning off our brains when we go to bed at night. And I've really found that putting whatever's kind of keeping me up down on paper so that I'm acknowledging it, but then also gives me permission to like set it down for a little while. <laughs> and so it makes total sense what you were just sharing. Yeah. It really helps us like kind of tie up those loose ends and also go into the next day refreshed. Absolutely. And I love that you made a point to, it's important to stop in and ask ourselves where that source of stress is coming from. Cause like you said, you, you handle different things very differently depending on what's kind of, again, keeping you up at night. One thing that I wanted to just ask and kind of like, this is how my brain works while we're discussing things, but there's such a significance between being able to detach, like you were saying, from work to be fully present with the ones that you love. But at the same time, for me, at least over the last couple of years, I've found that being able to communicate with my husband about things that are going on sometimes in work, sometimes not has been so key for me to be able to process things instead of just keeping it to myself. Do you have any advice on how to balance bringing your significant other into conversations regarding work without unloading everything on them in a way that brings more attention to the relationship? Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I think one of the questions that we tend to ask our partners or spouses at the end of the day is, how is your day at work? One of the biggest mistakes I would say that partners make is trying to solve each other's work problems. Not understanding that you cannot make your partner's stress go away by yourself is probably one of the most important aspects of it. Second, when we try to solve these problems that we really only get 50% of the information about in the first place, we end up putting additional pressure on our partner's shoulders. Even if our intentions are noble and we are trying to help and we want to, we don't want to see them in this stressed out state, we end up offering solutions and it's a domino effect. It then makes our partner more stressed out and we kind of have to realize that we can't rescue our partners. It can be really distressing to see the people that we love consumed by stress. One of the biggest turning points when it came to communication, specifically with my husband over the last couple of years was recognizing that they naturally are fixers and they want to play that role for us. And so anytime that we share anything that comes across as a problem of any sort, that's where they naturally go. And most of the time, we just want someone that's going to listen to us, allow us to get it off of our chest. However you process things and search for comfort, maybe just give us a big hug, whatever it may be. It was really eye-opening to be aware of that very distinct difference between what I'm usually looking for and what he tends to default to, and then having a discussion around that. So, And it's still something that I'll have to say I'm just trying to share with you. I don't want a solution, (laughs) but even getting to the point where asking the other one, 
is this something that you want to brainstorm on trying and come up with a solution on? Or do you want me just to be a listening ear? And I think that's so powerful once you kind of have that conversation. I think they truly feel like they're helping most of the time. And a lot of times we're like, will you just let me say what I'm trying to say without trying to automatically start talking over because that's what we see it as we don't even have a chance to get what we're trying to get off before they start interjecting and giving their two cents and most of the time we don't want their two cents (laughs) but (laughs) that along with i would say minimizing the stress is probably one of the worst things we can do people may think they're being well-meaning and helping their partner worry less by saying things it's fine don't worry about it but what actually happens is the other partner ends up feeling misunderstood or diminished questioning your partner's interpretation of their reality when what they really need is you to jump on their bandwagon and be like you know what your boss is being a jerk today and that really sucks yeah just validation that what you're feeling is justified or okay. Or I will say there's been times where I I need my husband to step up and be like, all right, you've kind of had this pity party a little too long. <laughs> there's a place for that. But I'm so glad you mentioned that because I do think that's something that often happens, whether it's with your significant other or a friend or anyone. And it automatically makes you wish that you would have kept your mouth shut whenever stuff like that happens. Because like you said, it makes you question, am I overreacting? Or it leads you down this like rabbit hole of even more self-doubt and and trying to figure out why you're struggling so much with this particular thing if it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to someone else. That's not where we need to be. I think that's why so many people end up keeping things to themselves because stuff like that's happened more than once and, and they just know it's easier just to be quiet. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. Well, well, we were talking about finding that balance of how much to bring them in. I want to transition into what seemed to be a hot topic when I reached out within the veterinary community, one of them that I'm a part of, when it comes to one of the bigger stressors regarding their marriage or distress within home. And it boiled down to finding balance with who does what, whether it's household chores or responsibilities with kids, whatever it may be. I know when we were talking about things, you said that that's one of the number one causes of conflict. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Chores. If you and your, your spouse or your partner, your romantic relationship haven't had any kind of chore discussion or arguments, I would love to meet you because I'd want to see what are you guys doing that I'm not doing in my own relationship because I know I've had the chore argument with my husband on more than one occasion. How do you tackle that? If I'm listening, I'm like, man, this is an ongoing source, but we've never truly had a discussion surrounding it. Like, where do you even start? Like I said before, mindset's everything. And like our minds directly go to a 50-50 split. And that would be like in a perfect world, finding that perfect 50-50 balance would be amazing. But what we know about in real life is that it's almost impossible. So you want to start off by lowering that tension by approaching any kind of division of labor um, or task with the goal of equity, not equality. Meaning that balance is achieved because both partners agree on fair adjustments based on each other's needs and net contributions in the home as well as outside of it. Versus the having the age old fight of it's your turn and the back and forth starts. Another thing that you want to do is allowing yourself and your partner to rest if you need it. Nothing's worse than coming home 
at the end of a really, really rough day at work. And then you walk in the door and you are reminded of all the things that it's your turn to do. The garbage, the dishes, dinner. So we want to be able to express to our partners our needs. So if we need a day off, kind of allowing that adjustment, allowing that flexibility with our partner. And that comes with setting realistic expectations each week, not a one size fits all. It's continuously checking in with each other. What does your week look like? What does my week look like? And what can we manage? I think that's so key because I'm sitting here thinking about how we kind of operate and it does, it does change. And so much of it depends on what, what the week ahead looks like. And while I work from home now, and so things are definitely different from when I was in practice and we were both working outside of the home. And I'll say that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball game that I don't miss trying to navigate who's going to be able to go pick up the kids from wherever they are and, and that type of thing. I'm grateful that I'm able to take on more of the basic household upkeep because I work from home. That's kind of like my breaks throughout the day that I could put a little laundry going and it's not a big deal. I can't tell you the last time my husband did a little laundry, but it's because I'm here (laughs) during the day. It doesn't make any sense for him to take on that role. But when we've gotten to a place where we're able to communicate And there's definite triggers that surround household tasks and just the building effect of all the things that often fall on the wife or the mom that I could tell when I'm about to get to my tipping point and I will say I need your help (laughs) with X, Y, and Z because I'm sure it's like many people listening we get home and it's the rush of dinner and right now it's softball and all these other things and my husband has a very taxing job as well. So he often comes home and goes straight to the couch and puts the TV on because that's how he decompresses. And I recognize that he needs that. But at the same time, the old me would have been in the kitchen, muttering things under my breath, resentment building up, but I would have never said anything about needing help. Whereas now I don't think twice about, hey, can you come and help me in the kitchen? Because it's it's created such a sense of harmony whenever I do speak up in that regard versus, well, it's just easier for me to do it than to try to bring him into the equation. And I think a lot of us kind of fall in that place. And I think some of it kind of boils down to, again, it's easier for us to just do it. We do it the right way, whether it's loading the dishwasher. It's like a running joke. We're so set in our ways sometimes that we won't even let anybody do the laundry or load the dishwasher because they don't do it right, <laughs> which is just not worth it whenever our mental mental state is at hand. Yeah, I, I really think that communication is everything because when we are silent and the resentment builds is when we really find trouble. Because once resentment kind of really creeps in and hardens itself around the relationship, it can be, it's a lot of work to break. And I think once you give them opportunity to help you where you really can use it, they'll see the after effect of that. I know I'm just a more pleasant person to be around whenever <laughs> I feel we're working together as a team versus everything kind of falling on my shoulders. And so it, it kind of naturally feeds into, again, this teamwork aspect where you're both coming together and seeing how you could best benefit the family as a whole for that week and really functioning as one unit versus ships passing, <laughs> passing in the night like, like we were in the beginning. 
Do you have one last gem that you, with your experience of helping people through marital um, struggles that just like a little piece of advice to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I think something I, I make sure that I practice in my, my day-to-day life and I kind of preach to my clients that are coming in is thinking with the mindset of in the grand scheme of things. A lot of the stuff that we end up arguing about and couples end up getting into tiffs about are small when we think in the grand scheme of things, whether the dishwasher is not done the correct way on Monday, probably won't matter by the following Monday or certain things. When we start to get ourselves angry, we start to find ourselves getting resentful kind of being able to kind of take a quiet moment, check in with yourself, get it down on paper, like we mentioned before, have that conversation and kind of reframe our mindset of thinking, you know, in the grand scheme of things, my famous question is, will this bother me in three months? Most of the time my answer is no. If it's yes, then like it's worth a conversation. But if this isn't going to bother me in three months, if it's not going to bother me by tomorrow, then maybe it's not worth getting upset. And what's another way I can think about this? And that I think helps, especially when it comes to chores. If I do the dishes today and I did them last night, but it's his turn, is there going to be a time in life where he's going to take two days of dish duty in a row? Most likely. And kind of just reminding ourselves to laugh a little bit more and take a deep breath and kind of all those rules and tough guidelines that we set for ourselves. Just take a deep breath and relax every once in a while. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. Well, I definitely want to make sure that our listeners have a way of connecting with you. So if you don't mind sharing how they could um, get in touch with you or just keep up with the work you're doing, that would be um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think where you could kind of find all our information in one hub would be our website. And we're at www.clinicalcounseling.net. Once you get on that website, you can find our address, our phone numbers, how to contact us. We're here as a resource as much as you can utilize us. And we're always here for a phone call or a chat. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I was serious about having you back on and digging into some of these other topics, especially perfectionism, because I think it's it's one that majority of us out there struggle with, whether it's still personally or now we're starting to see it in our kids. <laughs> and so y'all be on the lookout for when we have Ellie back on. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today and just sharing all of your your wisdom. I know that it's going to be a benefit to our listeners and hopefully they have a little bit more confidence in being able to address, like I said, those relationships that matter so much. But often we just don't have energy (laughs) for but it's been a pleasure no thank you so much it's been a lot of fun we're happy to be here all right well that is it for living well with dr jessica 
Thanks for listening in and make sure you tune back in for the next time. Bye. It's Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.